Welcome to a Calvary Montclair Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will learn of Jesus, grow in Jesus, and share Jesus with other people. Service times are on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. and on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. For addresses and directions, please visit our website, www.cmontclair.com. We pray that you are blessed by the teaching of God's Word by Pastor Joe McTarsney. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, reading verses 1 through 3. Paul writing to the people at Corinth, and he writes in verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clinging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and have all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And in, um, in Spanish, nada. <laughs> profits me nothing. Well, last week we concluded uh, chapter 12, and we've been um, studying chapter 12 and going through the book of 1 Corinthians. And, and in chapter 12, Paul was sharing with the people there at, at Corinth of all the different gifts that God has given to people. And we always have to remember that, that God is a, a good God, and he gives gifts. And every good gift comes from the Father from above. And we should always um, praise the, the giver of the gift and be thankful for, for the gift. Oh, but we see what happened during this time period at Corinth. Um, oftentimes, the people there at Corinth used their gifts for themselves, and they took credit for it, and, and there was division, and, and one person had this particular gift, and another person had that particular gift, and there was jealousy, there, were, there was envy, and, and so there was competition going on, too. And so he was sharing about all the different spiritual gifts that he has given to, to people, and Paul was aware of it all. And then he... he he says, um, lastly, in verse 31, notice with me, in verse 31, he says, But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Now, Paul, what is the more excellent way that, that you are telling the people at Corinth and for us today in a very practical application here at Calvary Montclair? What is the more, more excellent way that we should desire? Well, we know that the more excellent way is the way that God has planned for his gifts to operate. It's the way that God has planned in his heart for our heart to operate in the gifts. And that way is by having love, by having love being displayed from a person that is actually exercising their gift. And the, the sad fact of the matter is that love sometimes do not characterize the people that are using their gifts. That love sometimes do not characterize the people that are utilizing their gifts. 
And that was happening within the, uh, the church at Corinth. And the church at Corinth, they were a busy church. They, they were an active church. Um, people were exercising all sorts of gifts. And, um, and again, he named all the gifts in, in chapter 12. There were so many gifts being in operation. And they had a lot of activity, a lot of activity going on. But they, they, they lacked the greatest act of all. They lack the greatest act of all, the act of being loving and kind towards their fellow believers. And that was not occurring whatsoever. You, you see, it, it's very, very easy, very easy that activity can replace of having a sincere love for God and love for other people. Activity, being busy, can replace of having a sincere love for God and, and love for others. That happened at the church of Ephesus. It, it did happen at the church of Ephesus, according to the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Revelation, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. The Bible states to the angel of the church in Ephesus, right? These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks amongst the seven golden lampstands. And, and never forget that the Lord walks amongst his church. He's present. I know your deeds. So he knows our works. He knows the hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have preserved and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. You have forsaken your first love. In general, the church had got sidetracked it there at Ephesus as well as Corinth. They were being busy, but not being a blessing. They were being busy, but not being a blessing. Activities have replaced affection for the Lord and for others. You see, when we are exercising our gifts is to be with a heart of love for God and love for, for man. And when we exercise our gifts that God has given us, know this, it is a tangible evidence that we are abiding in Christ when we're having love. If people want a, a, a tangible evidence of a person that is abiding in the vine, disresting in Christ, how do we see that? Well, we see that when they're, when they're exercising their gifts in the heart of love. John chapter 15 verse 4 says, abide in me. The word abide means to rest or to remain. Remain in me, rest in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abides in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth, notice, much fruit, much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. It's important to know that having a spiritual gift or, or even holding an office is not evidence of having spiritual maturity. It's not evidence of having spiritual maturity. What is evidence of having spiritual maturity, according to John chapter 15, is abiding in the vine, then you're going to bear much fruit. You'll bear much fruit. And what is fruit? What, what is fruit? That we're supposed to bear much fruit when we're abiding in the vine. Well, we know the, the fruit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. We know that according to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, Galatians 5, 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such things there is no law. 
See, what it comes down to, it comes down to is how do we gauge spirituality? How do we gauge spirituality? There's a lot of people, they're tired of the natural world, and they want to be like in part of the spiritual world. They, they want to and, and, and do something beyond themselves, and they want to exercise their gifts. And the people are Corinth. They, they, were, they were of that sort. They want to exercise their gifts. And, and so they were, they were thinking, okay, well, what, 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 what gauges spirituality? And the truth is that we normally gauge spirituality by giftedness. We normally gauge spirituality by giftedness. But Paul would say that's not a fair gauge. Paul would say that is not a fair gauge. The real gauge is the gift of the Spirit, which is the, the gift of, of love. You know, it's a beautiful scene. It's a breathtaking scene. And a sweet aroma as well. When you have the fragrance of love that is evident around a gift that's being exercised, so we have a person that is, is um, exercising their gift and whatever that gift may be, but it's coated in love. It's coated in, in, and blanketed in love. Oh, so beautiful. It's, it, the fragrance of that is just so breathtaking and it smells wonderful in the holy nostrils of God and to other people. You see, the life of living is a life of giving. And giving the life of Christ to others, that's what it's all about. In the fragrance of love, in the heart of love. Now, Paul is talking to the, the people at Corinth in, in verse 1. And he, and he tells them as um, they were a church that were enamored. They were all about spiritual gifts, especially the gift of tongues. Especially the gift of tongues. They were like, woo, gift of tongues, man, that's what it's all about. I want the gift of tongues. And so notice with me in verse 1 where Paul says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clinging cymbal. So they were enamored by the gift of tongues. You see, sometimes people like the show, but not the substance. They, they like the, the splash, but, but, but not the heart of why they're doing what they're doing. So Paul is indicating in verse 1 that a person can speak with, with the tongues of men and, and an angelic tongue of even an angel. But if their motive is, 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 is not of love to edify and encourage their fellow believer that Jesus loves and cares for, if their motivation, if their heart is not bringing edification to them so they could be built up, it's not profitable. Paul would say, and he would give this image and, 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 um, and, and picture it um, uh, of two um, metal um, uh, bars hitting each other. And, just, and that's what he says, it, two, two um, symbols um, clanging against one another. And, and so when, when you have not love, that's what, that's what it sounds like. That's what it, it feels like. That's what it looks like. And Paul says it's not profitable. It's not pleasant for the ears because you're saying, I'm sorry, I can't really partake of what's being said or what's being done because I, I, I'm overwhelmed by the noise of it all. Um, I, I, it's, not, it's not ministering to me, but it's repelling me. But have the gift of love and I'll be so drawn in. And so that is what Paul is speaking about. He is speaking about the gift of love and, and how the gift of love needs to be there when we exercise gifts. Why? Because we're called to be a dispenser of God's love to others. We're called to be a dispenser of God's love to others. As God's love flows in us and then flows through us through the gifts that he has graciously given to us. You see, it's not about how a person speaks in tongues in a church. 
It's not even about how a worship team leads people in worship or even how a pastor divides the, the word. What it's about is why. Why are they doing what they're doing? Why are they doing it? Is it being done for the sake of love? For the sake of saying, God, you have been so gracious to me. I was a wrench and I was so lost and my heart was so hard and hardened. And you stormed the floodgates of my heart and won me over with your unconditional love. There's no strings attached. And, and um, for the love of Christ now compels me, for it motivates me. And I keep myself in love of Christ. I'm just so grateful that, that, that you've saved my soul. I'm so grateful that you placed your Holy Spirit inside of me. I'm so grateful that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm so grateful that I have an address in heaven that I'm going to, and for me to live his life and to die his gain, because I get to be home with my maker, because he has gone to prepare a place for me, and where he is, I shall be with him also. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that you would even bestow gifts upon me, and so that's the heart we're supposed to have. Not that, hey, Lord, thank you for these gifts. I want to draw attention to myself. I want people, if I speak in a tongue in a believer's meeting, I want them to come afterwards and pat me on my head and tell me I'm so spiritual. I, after they teach or lead worship, I want them to, I, I, I want to start signing their Bibles now. I, I want them, I want them to, to worship, worship me. I, you know, I wanted that. Hey, who's the first person that did this? His name was O Morning Star. O Morning Star can be translated into Lucifer. And we've got to be careful. Oh, don't touch the glory. Don't get around it at all. Don't, don't do that. There's even a Disney movie about that. Don't go in the glory. Don't touch it. But I'm drawn to it. I'm drawn to it. The human heart is drawn to the glory. Don't go there, beloved. Don't go there. Give it to God. Give it all to God and get out of the way and let God be seen. Why? Because he's the one that cares. He's the one that, that loves people. And, and he's the one that wants to use our gifts. But it has to be coated in love, not coated in flesh. You see, flesh stinks, but when you walk in the spirit, it's beautiful. Oh, it smells so street, sweet. It looks so beautiful, and that's what God wants. And that was wasn't taking place in the, the church of Corinth. And, and I, I I I think the Lord that He kind of um, exposes their dirty laundry. <laughs> Don't dispose our show our dirty laundry, Lord. Um, show theirs. <laughs> and so we study the book of First Corinthians to learn from them. And so may we learn this lesson. May we learn to learn it well. That that we would love. God and why we do what we do is for God and for other people. And, and when we do that, that is what Christianity is all about. And matter of fact, that is the birthmark of a Christian. The birthmark of a Christian is to love God and to love others. That's what identifies us as believers. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, Peter said, now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, Love one another deeply from the heart. So God changes us. God fills us with his spirit, pours his love inside of us, and then we dispense it to, to other people. Now in verse 2, Paul mentions other gifts that were being exercised at the church of Corinth that it were people were, were drawn to also. Notice with me in verse 2. Verse 2 says, And though I, I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, I could even move mountains, 
but have not love, I am nothing. So Paul's saying that you can have the gift of prophecy. You can have the understanding of all ministry. You can have all the knowledge that is possible to know in this world. You can have it all. You could have it all, and you could have this faith that can move mountains left and right. You could have it all, but if you do not have love, Paul would say, you are nothing. You are nothing. You, you are nothing. Why? Because you're really getting your reward when you want the people to come and shake your hand and, and, and to kiss your ring and, and to tell you how wonderful you are. And so when you get to heaven, when you get to heaven, your reward won't be there. Why? Because you received your reward already here on earth. And so Paul was not impressed with man's gift. Paul was more impressed with the vessel of love. He was more impressed with a loving vessel, not necessarily with a person's gift. And may we have the same biblical perspective like Paul had as he received it from the Lord. He received it from the Lord. For Jesus didn't say, this is how people will know you are my disciples if you have gifts like tongues or prophecy or all knowledge or or a tremendous amount of faith. No, it's by the love that you have for one another He said that in John chapter 13, verse 35. John chapter 13, verse 35. Jesus said, by this, all will know that you are my disciples. If, here it hinges on this, if you have love for one another. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life. How do we know that we have passed from death to life? How do we know that we have crossed the bridge? We know we have crossed the bridge from death to life because we love the brethren. We love the brethren. Some of you have heard this great man of God named D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody, um, man, man of God, and he's in glory now, and, and he said many, many wonderful deep thoughts um, from, from the Lord and to people. And he said this, and I quote him. He said, a doctor or a lawyer may do a good work without love, but God's work cannot be done without love. Love must be sought. Love is paramount to the believer in their walk. So Paul is saying that we need love. We need love. Now, what is this love that he's referring to? We live in a world today that this world love is thrown out all, all, all over the, the place. People say, I love burritos. People say, I love my, my dog Snowball. People say, I love this and I love that. What, what is love? What does love have to do with it? <laughs> There's that one song, right? Now, that song's in your mind now, huh? Sorry. (laughs) What is love? Well, I'm going to be sharing with you nine aspects of love, what is called agape love. There's all sorts of form of love. The biblical love, the agape love, the love that Paul is speaking about in this chapter, it's called the agape love. Agape love, A-G-A-P-E. Some of you know this, and some of you are like, I already know this. Oh, no, no, no. May we not know it here, but may we know it here. Oh, may we not know it in our heart, but may we know it in our feet too. Oh, it's so important, agape love. Let's revisit agape love. Let's go back to our first love. 
where it all started when God said, my son, I want to agape you. But I'm attractive. I'm unattractive, Lord. I'm a sinner. My hands are dirty. Oh, I'm going to wash your hands. I'm going to wash your, your, your feet. I'm going to cleanse you. Get back to love. That's what it's all about. Agape love. There's nine aspects of agape love. And what is agape love? The agape love is God kind of love. God kind of love. Number one, it is a self-giving love. It is a self-giving love. It's not a mean love. Majority of people in this world, they, they exercise a me-giving love. And it's a trinity of me, myself, and I for them, by the way. Secondly, agape love is there are no expectation of receiving anything in return. It's that I'm freely giving to you because I first have received. It's, it's all to you, and I, I don't want anything back from you. It is more blessed to what? Than to receive. More blessed to give and to love than receive. Number three, it is a love that loves without changing. Without changing. You don't love for like a month and then they, they change, so you change. You're like, I'm not going to love you no more. You, you, you didn't meet my expectations. You didn't perform. You, you didn't meet this criteria. It's not about that at all because that's insecure love. That's walking around eggshells uh, around the person. And, and that's a, a sad way to, to have a relationship with someone. You never know where you're at with them. And by the way, Christianity is the only relationship where you know where you're at with the Lord. And Islam, you're, you're not that way at all, by the way. And my heart goes out to the people that follow Islam. You never know where you stand. You never know with Allah. You never know where you stand. Are you doing enough works? Um, did you sacrifice enough? And, and some of them like, okay, I, will, I know if I will commit the ultimate sacrifice if I do a terrorist um, attack. And some will even do that. And then they know for sure that they're entering into a, a, a so-called kingdom, but it's false. But with the, Lord, with the Lord, we know where we stand with him. And people, may, may we not um, give people our love and then take it back. Here you go. Just kidding. Psych. And then put it back. No, may... They know where we stand with, 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 with our love. Number four, it is a love that loves even when it's rejected. Now, that's hard. That's hard when you've been rejected by, especially a family member. We rejected the Lord. We love, he loved us because we first loved him. We were in our sin, and he went ahead and died upon the cross for us. But, but he changed us. And why? Because he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they did. And I've, I've discovered this. A lot of times when people reject our love or they reject us, they're just caught up in sin. They're just, they're just blinded. They're just full of, uh, full of themselves, of self. And, and it's just sad. And you pray that the Lord would open up their eyes. The prodigal son re- rejected his father. He gave him everything. And then it was there when he was in the pig, eating the, all the, the, the pig's food there. And, and his eyes were open. And it's only the Lord can open up a person's eyes, the eyes of the heart. Only can the Lord do that. Because you, you can't reason with the unreasonable person. But the Lord can awaken the person's heart. And then the next one, um, number five, it is love. Love so great that it can be given to the unlovable. It can be given to the unlovable. It can give, be given to, to a homeless person or to a gang member or to a biker or, or, or someone that's selling themselves or whatever it may be, to the unlovable. And, and, and so God has, has made it in, inside, inside man to be loved. And sometimes... Um, they don't have love. 
So they look for love in all the wrong places. There's a song about that too. They look for love in all the wrong places. And it's sad. It's sad when you drive down the street and you obviously see they have a need to be loved. You know, and, and you know, here's a sensitivity one for you. You know, we, we see people and that are blatantly showing themselves. And we could get offended by that. We get upset about that. We're like, look at them. I know exactly what they're doing, especially women. You women, you guys are, you have intuition. You can, because they're like, I know it. I'm a woman. She's like, I know exactly what she's doing. Pray for her. She needs to be loved. And she's screaming out, obviously, by the lack of what she's wearing. They're saying, someone noticed me. Somebody noticed me. Someone loved me. Because I haven't been loved by a daddy. I haven't been loved by a brother. I haven't been loved by a house. What would a guy love me? And then they, um, they receive false love. They're, 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 they're used and abused. They're kicked to the corner. And then uh, we share with them, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a person that loves you. His name is Jesus. He loves you unconditionally. And he can change you from the inside and from without. He can meet all your needs. We have a story about that, the, the, the woman at the well. She was a woman of the night. She's a woman of night, and she wanted to be loved. And, and she had a lot of relationships, but she was still empty. And the Lord came and spoke the, the, the words of the living water, and she drank in those, the, the, those waters of, of the words of the Lord. And she was filled. She was filled unconditional love by the Lord. Number six, this agape love that Paul's been speaking about that, that, that we all need, that the body of Christ needs to revisit. It, it has much to do with self-denial for the sake of another. Self-denial for the sake of another. Just yesterday, I was having a conversation with my wife, and um, and um, um, she didn't know what I was going to be teaching today. And um, but she, we were just having a conversation in general about um, about uh, a baby, and a baby, and a lot of you moms know there's a lot of self-denial going on going on there, especially when they want to uh, be fed uh, every three hours or four hours. Some of you had some babies that want to be fed every two hours. They're like, I want some more of that. <laughs> I want to drink in. And then it's two in the morning. And inside of a year, you're like, no, my, my, my head wants to rest upon this pillow. I want to dream. I, I want to relax. I want to rest. But no, you respond to the cry. Self-denial for someone else. And you say no to that. And then again, no to that and no to that. You feed them, and you take care of them, and pamper them, and, and wash them, and clean them. And sometimes they don't say thank you. They, they, they don't have a heart or appreciation for you, but you continue to serve them. And then one day they will. They'll look back, and they'll look back and just say thank you. When Sometimes when maturity kicks in, and uh, it, it will come. So be encouraged, especially to, to the moms and to the grandmas. Continue to, to love for the sake of others. Number seven, it is based on a commitment, not a feeling. It is so awful, one of the heartbreaking things to, to hear, and I've counseled many people in my ministerial um, um, tenor of, of service in the Lord over 20-plus years, when somebody would, would look their, their spouse um, in their eyes and say, I don't feel in love with you anymore. Love is nice, not based on a feeling. It's based on a commitment. A vow that you made to God one day and said, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. And so, yes, things happen, but things can be ironed out. Men can learn how to love their wives and what that looks like. 
women can learn how to, to re- respect their husbands. And because God, God put it in a man to be respected. He just did. That's how he wired men, to be respected. You know, and I've shared this example before. You, you get a guy walking down the street and another guy looks at him and gives him that look. You know that look. You know, and disrespects him. What's going to happen? Fight's going to happen. We've seen that. You get the same man. You put a uniform on him in, and he serves our country. That same man's going to shed his blood for this country because he showed him honor. He showed him respect. And obviously, men need, need to have actions that's respectable, respectable of course. And then um, women, you love her. Oh, you love her, not abuse her. You, you serve her. And it's a natural response to love. And so that's the healthy cycle. That's a God cycle. And, and so it's not based on feelings. Because a lot of times we don't feel it. But oftentimes it's, a, it's interesting how the emotions do follow there afterwards, right? And you, and you, and you serve and you, and you care. And, and that's marriage. A key to marriage is dying to self and serving others. Care for them. Bless them. Come alongside them. And so that's the way of agape. Number eight, it is choosing to give value to another person and saying, I value you more than I value myself. If I'm tired, I'm still going to do it because I value you more. I value a church more than me is that I go through my discomforts or I go through my little weirdness or, or something's off key or something's off this or off that. I put all that to the side and I value you more. On the football field, we drum this into our athletes to... to to, to love your brother more than you, you love yourself. Value them more. So you got to make that block or that tackle or that quarterback's going to get um, tackled. Value you. Value you. Put your body out there. Value your players more than your own body. And so you place value. So I think we need to revisit value. Are you placing value on others? Or is it value is just all about yourself? And if the value is all by yourself, know this. Self is never pleased and satisfied. Contentment only comes from the Lord. Godliness and contentment is great gain. Why is it great gain? It's great gain because you're fulfilled. You're done. You're like, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. You, you are fulfilled. And lastly, note this down. It is demonstrated with action. It is demonstrated with action. And God is ultimately the example of what agape love looks like by giving his son in action. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 And this was manifested the love of God towards us. Because God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. So know that God would not call us to function in such a way that he didn't do himself. God's not a God that says, you do this, and, and it doesn't matter if, if I don't do it. No, God has done it himself. God has showed us how it's done and what it should look like. Furthermore, God empowers us by his spirit. So it's not a frustration. It's not like, I just can't do this. I just can't. I give up. I throw in the towel. Whatever. Whatever. I don't care. No, no, we can do this. Through Christ, we can do all things. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live the, love the unlovable. By the power of the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? It means to, to be still, to know that he is God and saying, God, I need you. Lord, I need you because if you don't give me that strength, you don't help me. 
I'm going to strangle them. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. I need your strength. I need your empowerment. That person I work with at the office, I don't like them at all. I think they're related to the devil. Yeah, I think so. So God, help me. Give me, give me them. They're, they're doing these demands, and he's just sitting behind a desk looking at a computer screen. And, and I know what he's doing there. He's on Facebook. That's what he's on. And, and I'm in the books and working hard, and, and it's just not right. Oh, God sees all things. He sees all things. And, and the beauty is that we don't do things for man. We do things for God. And so now notice verse 3. Paul continues on and he says, And though I bestow all the goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body even to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So Paul gives two final examples of a person that would even feed the poor. Even another person that will, will get his body burned for, 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 the, for, this, for the cause, for Christ even. And those are noble acts in themselves, no doubt. But the motive is not out of love for someone else. It profits nothing. It profits nothing because if the person was merely trying to draw attention to themselves and to seek a name for themselves, that display of virtue is valueless now. It was all about them. I gave to the poor. Does everybody see me doing it? I'm going I'm to burn for the Lord. Does everybody notice that I'm getting burned for the Lord? Oh, what you do in secret, the Lord knows. And it shall be shouted in the front of the rooftops. And so love, love is why we do what we do. Love for God and love for others, not what the world is, needs. And that's what the body of Christ needs to come back to, to revisit this. As a church has been going on for so many years now, it's time for me, for us just to revisit the basics. Paul said in Philippians 3.1, it's not tedious for me to re- remind you of these things, but it will keep you safe. Love should never be the missing ingredient. It should be the primary reason, the main ingredient of why are we doing what we're doing. Relationships need love. Love is what spouses and parents and children are in need of. Love is what bosses and employees and employers are in need of. Love is, a, is, is essential in all relationships, and it's not optional in God's service. It's a must. It's a prerequisite. It's a prerequisite. You give me a person that just loves God and loves people, and they're not that really gifted, but they could grow in those gifts, I'll take them. You give, you give me one that's, oh, I'm gifted, hey, hey, God got a good one. He got me. That's right, baby. That's right, eh? That's right. You know what? You know what? I know it. Oh, pride becomes before a fall, right? And so what happens a lot of times, a person is so gifted and their platform gets so big, but unfortunately their character is not big enough to contain their giftedness and they crash. Has that happened? All the time. But if their character was in place, if the love was in place, of why they're doing what, what they're doing was in place and it was cemented in Christ Jesus and that was truly the motivation, their character is getting big, 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 and big, that's, that's wonderful. And then God eventually would increase their platform. But oftentimes it's, it's flipped and it shouldn't be flipped. And so God is concerned about character. God is more concerned about the minister than the ministry. He is. And oftentimes we're more concerned about the ministry than the minister of the Lord. And so when we bow our knee before the Lord and saying, God, before I go on this field, I give it to you. Give you my actions, Lord, before I interact with anyone else. Lord, I interact with you. And Lord, because um, they're going to get flesh or they're going to get spirit. 
and I want them to get spirit and not flesh. Because the flesh, the tongue cuts people, the spirit loves people. And so you remove love and you reduce life to a grinding, friction-filled series of demands, requirements, and assignments, and life becomes cold as ice. And a lot of people live in that realm, and it's so sad. The bottom line, the question that needs to be asked by everyone, especially believers, is what are we going after in life? What are we pursuing? What are we pursuing? Notice right quick, um, chapter 14, verse 1. Paul would say, pursue love. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. What happens is man pursues gifts and not love. Paul's saying, hey, let, let, let's switch this around. Pursue love and the gifts will follow. Seek ye first, thy kingdom of God, and then all these things, even gifts, will come into place. But seek, seek first his kingdom. We're called to pursue love at all costs. I looked up the word pursue. The, the word pursue means to follow in order to capture it. To follow in order to capture it. I read a story about a person that pursued love in action and just not spoke about it. Pursued it and just not spoke about it. It was in the year of 1647, true story. During England's, England's Civil War, a deserter and Cornwell's army was captured and brought back to him. Cornwell said to the deserter, when the bell sounds tonight, you will be executed. But that night, the bell was not sounded and not heard. Upon close investigation, it was discovered that receiving the news of her fiancé's sentence his beloved made her way quickly to the camp and hid in the bow tower. At night neared, she positioned herself within the bow in such a way that when the, ro the rope was pulled, it would not make a sound, but it would hit her in his stead. Seeing her bruised and battered body that was standing before Cornwell. He was deeply touched and moved by her action of love for the soldier's life then was spared because of her action. She pursued love. Jesus climbed not a bow tower but a hill Calvary in order that you and I would be spared from execution that we rightly deserved, in order that we be forgiven, in order that we may share and show his love to other people through the gifts that he has given to us. May we go home today. May we go home today and extend this agape kind of love to our family, to our coworkers or to people at school. And at your memorial service, I know you may not want to think about that right now, but at your memorial service, may people one by one say the same thing. Now that was a loving person. Can they say about that, about your life right now? If not, let's make this happen. Let's make this happen.
Just ask the Lord to fill us with his Holy Spirit that will be his loving channels to other people, especially when we exercise our gifts that he has graciously given to us for the purpose of blessing other people. And God wants to teach us to love. Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is his love. So next week, we're going we're gonna to pick up with verses um, 4 to the finishing of this chapter. And I, I got to tell you, verses 4, and especially from verses 4 through 8, um, if we get this to uh, embodied inside of us and that we live this out, how love is kind, love is patient, and etc., and we'll study this in detail, we'll examine each, each uh, virtue of love, it will change your life. It will change your life. The, that portion of scripture for verses 4 through 8, it's, it's read in, in almost um, every wedding ceremony. It's quoted so much, but it's not lived out. I'm reading a book right now about organizations that they're practicing this um, verses 4 through 8 in the organization, and it's just changing the face and heart of those organizations. That you could be kind to people when you work with them. And when hard conversations happen, that you can talk to them in love. Be firm, and you can talk to them in love. Not be a jerk. Not place them in insecurity. Not threaten them. But to share the truth with them. And so people will know where they stand. So this next portion of scripture we're going to study next week, it's very, very, very important. And so I would encourage you to come. Invite somebody, too, that, that maybe need to be encouraged in this area. And so um, I'm looking forward to also next week's study. Let's pray.